0: From the Finley Toyota Studio, it's Cofield and Company with Steve Cofield on ESPN Las Vegas.
1: Here we go. Early start to the 5 o'clock hour. Later on, we're going to check in with a media member in Indy. Boy, this has changed a lot. Uh, around noon today, we were like, oh, I guess the Raiders aren't going to face... Carson Wentz, and put all the Carson Wentz jokes aside, um, he's still a, you know, what, top 15 quarterback in the league. The books believe he has some value because the number at some places went from seven, seven and a half down to two and a half. And then in the meantime, from the midday reports to a couple hours ago, well, the NFL changed its rule on returnees from the COVID list. They can return in as little as five days. So Carson Wentz has a chance to play on Sunday. We'll get to that. Ari's here. Willie is here. We'll get to that Culture reporter. We're going to talk to Sammy P., our gambling insider, towards the end of the five o'clock hour. And remember, we're heading towards the Kevin Kruger radio show that's coming up at six o'clock right here on ESPN Las Vegas.
0: Battle Born Injury Lawyers presents the Big
1: Five at Five, number five. Boy, did this one perk up the Cofield and Company crew? Research showing. That shorter people have more sex. Go ahead, short people. Take it away. Ari? Look at us all fighting uh, over It looks mic. like Ari. I mean, technically, I am short on this show. I'm kind of in the middle because Candy's a tall guy. Uh, Adam Hill is a behemoth. Mm-hmm. But you, you remember my Bagel Boss rants a couple years ago about heightist. Did you go rogue
2: on us? Because I don't see this in the rundown.
3: Oh, look at him trying to back out. No,
2: I'm not trying to back out of anything. I just was trying to be prepared. I'm kidding. I put it in mind today. It's just I didn't see it on the final one. So I didn't realize we were going to talk about it. But I'm I'm down to talk about it
3: because... Go ahead, Ari, you start. Oh, I'll just read what I put. Research shows shorter people have more sex. Science also says we live longer. Take that, tall folks. The, the science part is from, okay. So
2: I didn't see it. Ago. I didn't. Uh, I didn't see this until I saw it on your suggested rundown yesterday. So I added it today, and I'm looking for it. Research shows shorter people have more sex. Science, says we all s- huh? take that. Willie better think about snapping. I think the That's think exactly year. what Ari just read. <laughs> no, I know. I was reading He's what adding. I sent. He's Willie,
1: uh, we do th- a rundown, folks, if you don't know that. And apparently, the story didn't come across in an email in the rundown. So. Does anyone are. have any comments about these shorter people have more sex or will live longer?
3: I'll I'll just add something. This actually came about because uh, Zendaya. Th- did I say that right? Yeah. Her boyfriend, I guess, is is short. I don't really care, but she's also, you know, a very beautiful woman. You know, that's the consensus. So I guess there was some research done, and uh, he he gets picked on a little bit because he's a little shorter, uh, despite having a very beautiful woman by his side. So on I Tinder, guess, you
1: you you say that you're six one, right?
3: No. When you have I'm always honest about my height, except you guys hate that I say it's just you, about
1: 5'8. You do. You turn that into 5'6. Do you do the do you do the half? N- not anymore. Because I got uh, on this We show. have lem basted people on the <laughs> show. Adam Hill tried it. McKinnell tried it. It's always the half. Round down, lower expectations, and they're like, oh, you're a little taller than I thought. Okay. That's sure. why I have no problem on the air. Yeah, um, I'm 5'6, 4'50. People come up, they're like, well, you're not really 5'6 or 450. Yeah, I'm fat and short, but you're right, not that fat and short. I'm 5'7". So I'm 52
2: years old, 5'7". Does that mean that I need to think about ending the seven-year celibacy Yeah, you run? need to get back
1: in the game. Whew. You're apparently missing out on a lot of action. You're messing well, up not apparently, too. Well, not
2: apparently. I, I really, I, I'm definitely missing out a lot of action, but that's by choice. But if I want to live longer, I suppose I, I need to end the celibacy streak.
1: So the lesson here is for shorter guys. Yeah, you don't have to lie about your height. Apparently, statistically, you're doing just fine. Mm-hmm. You know, don't be like me and get all froggy because you know Serena Williams' husband is like six five. me for some reason. You know, big Serena fan. I blame. You, you, I, be blame I blame. In your, be confident in your smallishness. I mean, not not that way. I blame in your, this, in your lack of height.
2: I blame this story and this scientific fact and the fact that this is coming out because. There are a lot of women who post memes and gifs on social media that say, uh, you know, new year, new me, blah, 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 blah uh, Five, nine guys and taller check in.
1: Oh, no. Keep taking
2: applications now. Stuff like well, that. Verify. You
1: would, just, you would just, yes, yeah, sorry, gets that all the time. Well, <laughs> then you would just cross them off the list if they're that.
3: Maybe it's them that are missing. If they're out. heightest. Yeah. If they're that shallow. Now, let me flip it super quick. Who has dated a much taller woman?
1: I would Never, I would never do that. That is ridiculous. Wait, oh, wait, <laughs> I just did it the other way. Um, I, I've I've, dated I, totally. I've had a few.
2: I've dated Hollywood because when well, I was dated, when I was a lot younger, uh, DJing and dancing around town, Danced a lot of showgirls. Dated a lot of showgirls.
1: Is that right? Yeah. For the show Splash. We need Dave Koken on this topic. Oh. Dave is. I feel, like, I've feel seen like Dave with, with tall, I feel like beautiful women. I m- Dave is not a heightist at me all. Let tell you. Dave, is, he is very secure in his manliness and at, what D- is Dave, 5'7, five, 5'8, five, maybe? Maybe. Uh, maybe. You're, oh, you're, look you're, come at on. Look at Ari. I'm not, I'm not I'm knocking him. Like, smaller than you. He's got a <laughs> big go. personality, though. He's great. I'm not knocking him. I'm I have seen Dave with tall,
3: beautiful women. There's no
2: doubt about it. Dave was a player back in the day.
1: The show has issues, folks. You could tell. The show has issues with email, with rundowns, and with height.
0: Number four. Fuck, it's
1: a g-damn shame. All right, do we get an alert? Kings, Golden Knights. We still on? Anyone? Please. No more cancellations. We lost the Holiday Bowl earlier today. We're good to go with this. I have not seen an alert. I have no. not,
2: I don't have an email. I got all my alerts up. All I got right. Everything. I mean,
1: should be no Gold? Petrangelo. No nope. the no Howden, no DeBoer. Um, we'll get updates on Haig and Patches. Stone didn't practice. So, COVID or not, if the Knights play, they are going to be shorthanded. Yeah. Well, shorthanded of the big names, but they'll have a full
2: roster. They'll have some guys. They've The thing about the Golden Knights is they they've dealt with legitimate injuries this season where, you know, Couple of COVID guys. Ah, eh, we can handle it. We can take care of it. We can, we can, we can make it through. So let's, let's just get the season started. Let's just get these games. Let's get the boys back on the ice. And let's get to playing. That's what I'm saying.
0: Number three.
1: Non-QB MVPs around the league. ESPN had a story on this. Max Crosby is the Raiders non QB MVP should he be or should it be Denzel Perriman? should it be Casey Hayward could it be Hunter Renfro it could be Hunter Renfro I don't
2: know Denzel Perryman, yes he's led the uh, led the team with tackles but I don't have a problem with Max Crosby being named the team's non quarterback MVP by our friend Paul Gutierrez I don't I don't because Max is he has somewhat solidified the improvement on defense that we talk about so much on this show and and what Gus uh, Bradley has come in and tried to do in terms of disrupting opposing teams, not just passing game, but yes, I mean, off the edge and you're looking to sack quarterback, but he's keeping the plays inside. He's doing a good job with veteran Yannick Ngakwe, and I feel that... He is probably a bigger reason why Denzel Perryman is doing what he's doing as opposed to Max Crosby doing being able to do what he's doing because of Perryman. And I think anyone on that defense would agree that if you say, well, who's been the defensive MVP this season? It's been Max Crosby. So from there, as far as Hunter Renfro is concerned, he's been outstanding. And you could argue that it's been him. But um, when they've had Waller in the game – when they've had a full roster of receivers, when he was looking downfield in different games, Zay Jones coming up with the walkoff win, you know, he's been able to turn to other guys. Renfro's coming about now because of the situation they're in. Max Crosby's been getting it done all season.
1: Interesting the way the league is going from a positional standpoint, an old school value standpoint. You got to run the ball to be effective. I still think you need to do that. Running backs, though, one. That position has been devalued. On this list of non QB MVPs on each team, there are two running backs in the entire league that are their team MVP outside of the quarterback: Kamara and Johnny Taylor. They have Cordarrelle Patterson listed as MVP at running back. He's a wide receiver. I know he's played both. He's kind of a utility guy. I guess you could argue that Debo Samuel could be that guy instead of Nick Bosa. Um, you know your team is bad, and this guy has been okay. He does have 865 yards. Which, uh, from scrimmage, is just 25th amongst NFL running backs. The Jets are terrible. And the fact that their non-QB MVP is Michael Carter, the rookie out of North Carolina, yikes. Now that that said, I'm, hey, they got a building block here. So as a Jets fan, at least there's some positive.
2: I'm throwing one name in there that you didn't with running backs. Joe Mixon's been pretty damn good.
1: Oh, uh, they have Jamar Chase. Yeah. The ESPN has Jamar Chase. No, but I'm saying he. they have Jamar Chase as, as the, the non-quarterback. Quarterback. Yeah.
2: I know, but I'm just saying when you said teams
1: with running back. Oh,
2: But you were just mentioning running backs. On this list. I got you. Two, okay, okay,
1: gotcha. check that. Three made it, including Michael Carter. Gotcha. Gotcha. Joe gotcha, Mixon gotcha, didn't gotcha. get the nod, but that is a good. Yeah, Jamar Chase has been fantastic.
0: Number two.
1: That was a good comeback. All right, so what's the, uh, what's the rest of the week like for the Colts? Right? <laughs> Ellinger's got a prep to play. And I suppose if Carson Wentz comes down with nothing and is asymptomatic, then he's a go on Sunday. But this is going to be touch and go. Yep. The you, rest of the week.
2: Well, you just have to prepare as if Carson Wentz isn't playing. I mean, he's proven throughout this season that he is capable to you know if, if he if he if he's if he can play, he's just going to jump right back in. But you have to prepare as if he's not. I don't think you prepare and hope for that he is. I mean, you hope that he is, but you have to say, well,
1: he's not playing. By the way, the Colts out of the woods. Do we know that Ellinger hasn't been around Wentz at all? No. <laughs> Which goes back to something we've talked about a million times on the show. The most important position on your team, why are these guys ever around each other? You see that the Eagles actually keep their four quarterbacks in separate rooms. Right. Right. That's I wasn't joking yesterday. No, you're you said never it. to be around each other. We can't. We simply can't afford it.
2: No. Number one. Fire away. You said it, and it makes 100% sense. They should have been doing this from day one. I just, you know, you you can't predict these new variants and how contagious this particular one is. But it probably would have been the smartest
1: thing to do from day one. Uh, we should also mention that the Colts. You know, it's not just Wentz who's in jeopardy. Their offensive line is a mess. So they're beat up with Eric Fisher. Ryan Kelly's got some uh, personal things he's dealing with, pretty tragic. Uh, Quentin Nelson and the right side of their line. Nelson's on the left, the right side of the line. They're also iffy for the game. So this, again, I will use the term touch and go. We're going to be tracking this every freaking day with the Colts.
2: And I will say this. We I asked Miles, is, is Dallas one of the most dangerous teams? The Raiders went into Dallas and shocked them for however the heck they did it. Raiders go on the road. They've been a much more competitive and a, and, and, and a dominant team. The game. Think about the games they've won at home. Think about the games they've won on the road. Raiders went into Cleveland, dominated them. Raiders went into Dallas. They played well. Uh, offensively explosion. I don't think the Colts have this game with or with Carson Wentz wrapped up as a lot of people think.
1: Number one. Yeah, we jumped again on number one. Willie was was uh, coughing out to the side. He had to finish. You lost track. What happened? <laughs> you want to go back to talking about short people? Do, uh, do we, you
4: know
2: you know what would have made that that little bit uh, better is if not you had bit. if it's you had a bit
1: it was genuine conversation. If you, you had do Randy
2: bits. Newman's short people song, remember that, Steve?
1: Yeah, Commodore sixty four. Look it up.
3: We might just have that. We're big Randy Newman fans
1: Music here. for the
3: show. Whoa, Randy Newman's short people. Where are we at? Number one. (laughs) (laughs) It's uh, several
1: I love LA. Number one. I like that Ari is now speaking and dropping the number on himself. That's right. Hurry up, Ari. This is something we had to install because Adam Hill uh, would go on and on and on on the same time. We got sanitizer. We got coffee. We got gallons of water. Number one. That's how that works, Willie. Number one. All right, so the Dolphins win last night. Hmm. I'm not supposed to say this as a Jets fan, but my goals for the Jets each season have been reconfigured the last couple of years. Just lose and get the best pick possible, especially since they have two picks that could be in the top 10, which is awesome. Seattle, lose, please. Thank you on the Jamal Adams trade. I'm not sure I should say this, but I'm actually happy the Dolphins won last night because I am holding a Dolphins make the playoffs ticket at plus 850. I told you about four weeks ago, I started looking for the longest odds on all these teams kind of in the middle of the pack. And, hey, whatever happens, happens. Now, what's happened is the Dolphins have gotten a lot of breaks. Now, they've taken advantage of the schedule they've played. Mm. They've won seven in a row after losing seven in a row. Yeah. The quarterbacks they've faced during the seven-game winning streak, watch the direction this starts to go in. Kay. Tyrod Taylor, that ain't great. Lamar Jackson, Okay. Good quarterback, one healthy, right? After that, Zach Wilson, Joe Flacco, Cam Newton, Mike Lennon, Ian Book. So what does this win streak really mean for the Dolphins? How good are they? I put together this pecking order in that eight and seven, seven and eight range power ratings. Right now the Dolphins are in, right? They're in? Yes. They're in. They're in. Here's my pecking order: Ravens, Chargers, Raiders. Broncos, Browns, Steelers, Dolphins. I actually think the Dolphins control their own destiny, but I actually think the Dolphins are the seventh of the seven teams that are sitting between eight and seven, seven and eight. In the case of the Steelers, seven, seven and one. Am I wrong? Am I am I underrating the Dolphins? Hey, they they did what they were supposed to do against the murderers row of Book and Glennon and Cam and Flacco and Wilson and Tyrod Taylor.
2: Keep an, Look at the light. The phone lines are lighting up. Is that is that Adam Hill checking in for your Tyrod Taylor slam? Listen, do you know why the Miami Dolphins, out of the four eight and seven teams, are in the playoffs, and the Ravens, Chargers, and Raiders are not? Because win percentage in common games. So if they did what they were supposed to do against. Crappy teams, that means that the Ravens, Chargers, and Raiders didn't. The Raiders, by the way, are at the bottom of those four 8 and 8-7 teams because the Ravens are actually 8th head-to-head record, then the Chargers head-to-head record, and then the Raiders. So the Dolphins are in the 7th spot because of win percentage in common games. Now, to your point on your pecking order. You have the Ravens, better than the Chargers, better than the Raiders, better than the Broncos, better than the Browns, better than the Steelers, better than the Dolphins. Did any of this have to do with because this team beat this
1: team, which beat this team, which beat this team? Nothing. Or is that just off the top of your head? Nothing. Yeah. Just where I feel they are right now. And believe me, I'm risking it because I assume Lamar Jackson's finally going to return from this ankle. But if he doesn't, they tumble. Okay, so this is with, these are healthy teams in this pecking order. These are where they are right now. and It doesn't mean health because Baker Mayfield's not healthy. Because I was going to say, I would move the Browns above the Broncos. Well, But you're playing with Baker Mayfield with a torn labrum. And it's, it's funny, people have forgotten that in, in annihilating him. Although, well, you know, part of, part of crushing him is that, dude, maybe you're just not right enough to be playing, so pull yourself out. But... You know, starting quarterbacks aren't going to do that, especially quarterbacks who are looking for their long-term future and a long-term contract.
0: It's the Big Five at Five, brought to you by Battle Born Injury Lawyers. If you've been injured, call Justin Watkins at Battle Born Injury Lawyers, 570-9000.
5: Great pass to Royce Hamm, who lays it up with the left hand. That play worked to perfection, and that's the way the half ends. Rebels fired up
0: as they have an 18-point halftime lead. Cole Coffield and company is back. You're a mean one, Mr. Grinch.
1: Kevin Kruger, radio show coming up at 6 o'clock. We're going to talk to Sammy P., our gambling insider, in about 25 minutes. Check in with a reporter in Indy in less than 10. Willie Cofield. we were just talking about the pecking order in that playoff bundle. Mm. You know, from 7 down to roughly 13. Right In the NFL, and I told you in terms of real rankings, power ratings, power rankings right now, I have the Ravens, the Chargers, the Raiders third. This is not where they're set in the playoffs. This is just my opinion of where they are right now. Raiders, Chargers, check that. Ravens, Chargers, Raiders, Broncos, Browns, Steelers, Dolphins. I think the Dolphins are not real good, but they've won the games they're supposed to win. Am I too high on the Raiders? Because I told you a couple weeks ago, that same bundle, Pro Football Talk, had the Raiders dead last. And I didn't move them up just because they got a couple of wins. I said at the time, this is absurd, the Raiders are a solid team right now. And listen, Carr wasn't great last game, but he's been consistently a top 12 guy. They got the running game going. It seems like at least run blocking, they're getting more solid. Hopefully Waller's back soon. And the biggest thing is, it seems like no matter who is out there on defense, as long as those defensive ends are there... The other guys filling in on D have been good. They have a good defense.
2: So who of these bubble teams is, in your eyes, the most dangerous? Probably the Ravens. More so than the Chargers, huh?
1: I don't trust the Chargers at all right now. That Texans loss, even though they were shorthanded, that was completely ridiculous. Yeah. It was I had, I had a lot of flash, even though he's he's the polar opposite of Anthony Lynn, who was way too conservative and relied on field goals way too much. There's just something with the Chargers. And, you know, Rosh Markazi was on with us yesterday and you know, LA guy, and he, you know, he threw it out there. I know others have mocked on the Chargers about chargering it up down the stretch. I yeah. just got that feeling again. I thought they had broken the mold, and then you lose to the Texans. So it's hard to dissect
2: this and go through every single one of these teams and break them down. But real quick, I'll, I'll at least throw this out here. Chargers. They play the Broncos and the Raiders. Ravens, they finish with the Rams and the Steelers. Not easy. Yep. Raiders finish with, as we know, with the Colts and the Chargers. Steelers, they finish with the Browns and the Ravens. Now they get the Browns at home, and I think that they can beat them. Um that'll be that'll be a, a fun two game uh the To watch. The Browns got the Steelers and the Bengals. Broncos finish with the Chargers and the Chiefs. They're done. As far as I'm concerned, they're done. They're they're, they're going 0-2. The Dolphins finish at the Titans and with the Patriots. Now, the Patriots have
1: to go to Miami. And I can see the Dolphins... I could see anything happening to the Patriots right now because we, we've seen the last couple of weeks, Mac Jones, we told you all year, he's average. He's a caretaker guy. They're afraid to actually throw the ball downfield. They don't want to take any risk with him.
0: Finley Toyota, they'll do anything to sell you a car. No Toyota problem is too tough, too large, or too small. Keep your Toyota running like a Toyota. You got to give a ton of credit to
1: the offense. In the second half, they went and ran the ball, amazing. Josh was amazing. The O line
0: clean, playing, playing hard, and you know this whole the whole team. We just played team football, and uh, couldn't be more proud of the guys. Now back to Cofield and Company in the Finlay Toyota, to Toyota studio. Studio, studio. beginning to look a lot like
1: Christmas. Oh yeah, the show that loves the holidays more than anyone. We might play this through January. Why not? Uh, crazy times in Indianapolis. So, reading Indy Twitter today, at 5 o'clock today, Carson Wentz and a handful of other key Colts weren't going to play Sunday against the Raiders. By 6 o'clock, that changed from no chance to a big chance. That was a tweet from Taylor Tannebaum from NBC TV in Indy. Taylor, how are you?
4: I'm good. Um, Finally eating dinner. It was was a headache of a day, but but a good day and uh, good news for for the Colts, I guess. Maybe news the Raiders didn't want to hear, but... What can you do?
1: Well, tell the Vegas audience uh, what changed, because we talked about it a few hours ago, but your take on the changed rules around the NFL when it comes to COVID.
4: Yeah, so it kind of felt like that SpongeBob meme that's like, you know, one hour later and then all of a sudden everything changes or doesn't change at all. So uh, Carson Wentz got put on the COVID list today, and it almost seemed like it was inevitable, knowing all the people around him that had tested positive, a handful of his offensive linemen, um, was a couple of key players that could potentially be close contacts. Uh, and that was, that marked the 15th player that got added to the COVID list. And that was all this afternoon. So then that would have knocked him out because he's unvaccinated for 10 days. Then at around 530, uh, the NFL came down with that whole new ruling that it, it's a five day quarantine if you're asymptomatic. Uh, so with that being said, that now clears the way for Carson once and the entire rest of that COVID list, which is 14 players other than Carson, including, you know, linebacker Darius Leonard, uh, you're all pro guard and Quinn Nelson and a couple of other key guys. Uh, to come back and return for Sunday. So as it stands right now, um, certainly it it involves if players are symptomatic or not. Uh, It looks like the Colts will be in pretty good shape come Sunday because they were already going to get a handful of players back. Um, No doubt if the rules hadn't changed, Carson Wentz, Darius Leonard, and Quentin Nelson at least would have all been out uh, because they are unvaccinated. Uh, So uh, that honestly worked in their favor. And here we are. It looks like the Colts are going to be at pretty full strength, barring no uh, health setbacks.
2: So in your eyes, they have to prepare as if they're getting everybody back, or do they still have to prepare with precautionary measures?
4: In my eyes, they still prepare as if Carson Wentz is going to play. I think they'll know, you know, today, tomorrow, how he'll be feeling. So they'll know the first day of practice when they step on the field tomorrow. If he's if he's feeling terrible, then, then maybe you adjust the plan. Um, but I would say they're going to – Roll business as usual, Sam Ellinger just has to pay a little bit more attention um, in the day-to-day. And at the end of the day, uh, the ball's getting handed off a lot of the times to number 28 in the backfield anyways. So I think they tailor the plan quite literally around Jonathan taylor regardless.
1: So there are a bunch of markets right now that are like, wait, the last two weeks we lost games. We had guys out because of the old rules. As a sports observer, Taylor, what do you think of the rule change? Isn't this the kind of thing that maybe they should have implemented for the playoffs and not affected the last two weeks of the season?
4: I'm actually a little bit surprised that they made it effective immediately. Only because there have been so many times when they've changed rules in the past that they say it's effective in a week from now. They just did it a couple of weeks ago to put into effect that we can't attend practice starting this week. They implemented that seven days ago, but didn't didn't put it to put it to use until this week. So they gave us all last week to still come to practice so they like to give that window you know that buffer of seven days so I'm kind of surprised they didn't say hey starting in the playoffs, here's where it stands even the playing field uh then again I think they just had such an increase I think I saw the number today was 39 players that were all positive added to the list I think they just wanted to get ahead of it now knowing the CDC did it I don't think that they had an excuse
1: so can you give us a look into the practices and the facility and how they're operating now with the Colts because again you still have players who are positive like like we've been joking Jonathan Taylor should be in another state right now he cannot be around his teammates
4: yeah obviously this, this team is pretty centered around Jonathan Taylor and knock right. on wood I'll, I'll do it right now um he's been pretty <laughs> healthy he's a vaccinated player um which is good news so knock on wood he's been pretty healthy um I'm pretty sure they're probably I, we talked to Frank right yes was it yesterday gosh this week already seems so long and he said they did have certain things in place for particular players. He wouldn't go into specifics uh, that at the time of him saying that was, uh, we're not going to completely isolate anybody, but that may have changed as of today, just knowing how crazy things have gotten, um, at the facility, they are completely virtual now. So they've gone away from, they were in the, in the facility last week, even though they started to deal with some COVID things. So they'll just be attending practice. Obviously media purposes. We can only go if it's outside. Can't, can't even go to the indoor facility. Um, so as of right now, business as usual, just back to virtual again, which is what they, they were doing before. Um, and and I guess Carson Wentz will be attending meetings virtually. We'll find out more. We talked to Frank Reich tomorrow around uh, noon. So he'll tell us more about how they're handling it.
1: A lot of people are joking about, you know, Carson Wentz <laughs> now being back, and they're like, oh, have you watched him play? Basically suggesting he's been terrible. There would be a big drop-off from Carson Wentz to Sam Ellinger, right?
4: Absolutely. I mean, Sam Ellinger has thrown a total number of zero passes in the NFL regular season. He played in the preseason against the Panthers, but that is the preseason against the Panthers, who in the regular season aren't very good, so imagine the preseason. Um, so yes, there would be a drop-off. I mean, at the end of the day, Carson Wentz is a seasoned veteran. He, he does a lot with you know RPOs and, and making sure that they, he makes the right reads to get the ball into Jonathan Taylor's hands in the first place. Um, and when he needed to make throws against Arizona, you know, that was your guy there in the fourth quarter, and he really did pull through uh, last week when it mattered the most. So, yes, there would be a significant, I would think, drop-off. I think they would be able to deal if they had a couple of their key pieces back. would have been a little alarming and will be if it so happens that Carson once has symptoms and cannot play on Sunday. The offensive linemen um, are dwindling. You have three on the COVID list, and then you have center Ryan Kelly who is dealing with uh, personal matters, he may return this week. And then you have your, your left tackle in, in uh, Eric Fisher, who was hurt this week and is day-to-day at this point. Is Jonathan... um, So he would, if it were Sam Ellinger, he would be playing behind a uh, backup offense.
1: Sorry about that. Is, uh, in your mind, is Jonathan Taylor the MVP?
4: I do think so. I think when it comes down to MVP, I understand that it is a quarterback's game. And actually watching Aaron Rodgers this weekend, I, I could understand the argument, right? Um But for me, I would believe that MVP is the most valuable player. I do not think there's a a player more valuable to his team right now than Jonathan Taylor. He does it literally all. He runs the ball. He catches the ball when he needs to. He blocks. You saw it on the touchdown um, against the Patriots when they did a little misdirection, and he blocks for Naheem Hines. He does everything right, and he is only getting better. So I would say without a doubt, he is the most valuable player in this league right now because he has taken this team where it needed to go.
1: Are the Colts going to beat the Raiders, and are they going to crush them? Uh, the reason I ask that is the number now that the assumption is Wentz is going to play is actually Colts minus seven.
4: Okay, so it moved again. It has yeah, been moving it's, all it's day. It's been right? all over the place. The oddsmakers, the oddsmakers odd seem to know about Carson before anybody else, which you know that's how yeah, Vegas works, course. right? Yes. Um, <laughs> I do think I do think that the Colts will win at their their home finale. I think you're going to have some guys fired up, especially Darius Leonard, knowing that he's back. He's already shown it on Twitter. Um, how excited he is, knowing that he's off this COVID list. Um, I, I could see the Raiders maybe keeping it somewhat close, only because of the offensive line issues, um, especially at left tackle. Uh, you can get a pass rush going there, um, but uh, but I would say I would I would take the Colts to cover. That's Ta- my final answer.
1: Taylor, we appreciate it. We know your schedule is very busy. Today was a crazy day, so thanks for a couple minutes.
4: Thank you so much for having me.
1: There you go, Taylor Tannebaum, NBC TV, local. In Indianapolis, you know, she said something there, and I wasn't aware of who was vaccinated, who wasn't. You realize all the unvaccinated players up until today were running an incredible risk with this 10-day thing. So their best offensive lineman, their quarterback, and arguably one of their best defensive players were all rolling the dice down the stretch and going into the playoffs. That is incredible. They all just got a massive break with the rule change in the NFL. Massive.
2: It's a great, great hustle.
1: They hustled. They hustled their way into the they, finals. They, didn't do, anything. they, <laughs> they didn't do anything. They just said things changed on the uh, the highest level with the CDC, and the NFL is going to follow. But she is right. The fact that the NFL made a change in season that will absolutely affect the playoff race down the stretch is pretty incredible. All right, coming up, let's find out how to bet these games. Sam Paniadovich is going to join us in just a few.
0: Join the conversation on Twitter at ESPN Las Vegas. Money, 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 money. It's Cofield and Company's Eye on Sports betting, betting, betting with Sammy P. Sammy P. It's Tuesday, time to check in with
1: our sports betting insider. It's treacherous territory right now out there, and we'll get to the Raiders here in a second with Carson Wentz down on the other side. Sammy P is up with us from Nesson and uh, Fox Sports. What's up, Sam?
5: Are you talking about, when you say treacherous, my Twitter or trying to handicap during COVID?
1: Well, I love what's going on on your Twitter account because you keep all the receipts and you've got all these jabronis who, when you put out futures bets months ago, were like, that's a stupid bet. You save them. You retweet them, and the people are like, whoa, what's a big deal? Why are you being so petty?
5: Cofield and company and I had talked about betting Kansas City to win the AFC. at 7-1 to one about five weeks ago. I don't think they've lost since then. I could be wrong, but I don't think they've lost since that show. Um, and the latest one, I had to actually defend myself yesterday. The boys all had Western Michigan plus six, which you and I discussed on December 5th or 6th. Yep. They were plus six. And yesterday I just I made a tweet. I was like, "Wow, what a fun wire-to-wire bowl game win that was. There aren't many of them." And we had Western Michigan plus 6 close 7. They won by a million and people are like, "Where'd you get that line at?" <laughs>
1: like you're making it up. Come on.
5: Yeah, somebody said the line was Western Michigan minus 7. Well, yes, this morning it was, but early December when these lines actually opened, it was Western Michigan plus 6.
1: All right, here's a little lesson we went over with uh, John Von Tobel yesterday about trying for the middle. I tried for the middle. I wound up breaking even. The lesson oh, is the lesson is come when you on. get awesome value on the one side, don't put the full bet on the other side.
5: No, you did
1: not go for a full 100% middle. 100%, did you? 100%. Yep.
5: So, all right, so let's say you had five hundred dollars. You bet another five hundred on the other side. See, that's the point. When you have arguably the best number you're ever going to get in bowl season, when you beat the market by thirteen points, I would argue, and I know this is, you know, hindsight is twenty twenty, right? But if I told you this yesterday, the the song would be the same. If you had five hundred on western Michigan plus six and you could have taken back Nevada plus seven, the max should have been like thirty
1: percent, right? Of the initial wager. Yep. Yeah. Jvt was saying twenty percent. So listen, we do these spots. Uh, I am the square player. Like right? I, I don't think I'm truly a square, but I am the square player. You learn lessons from me. I invest in your future, listeners. So learn from my mistakes. Another mistake I made last week. Um, and we're gonna we're gonna talk about the COVID issues that are gonna happen in week seventeen. Last week I saw COVID issues breaking out with Philly, with the Chiefs. And now I just blanked on the last one. Um, Steelers. And you all, I, I bet the Steelers and I bet the Giants. So I was rolling the dice on COVID blowing up on the other side. It didn't blow up. And all three of my big dogs got blown off the field. Which
5: I, I sort of was a little cautious on that theory because I thought, well, what happens if all of these players <laughs> right. on the COVID side – ended up testing positive or actually, sorry, testing negative twice, they could technically be scaled back to play. That's what happened to that Washington game uh, two weeks ago when yep. Washington all of a sudden got, you know, they had four defensive linemen that had tested positive and then all of a sudden they were all able to play. Now, they still didn't uh, really hang with the Eagles. They lost 27-17 and depending on the number, you either lost or pushed. I just it's so hard now, and I know we're gonna talk about some of these games coming up on Sunday. Trying to handicap a COVID-centric NFL on a Tuesday is impossible. Trying to do it on Friday and Saturday is even hard. I mean, we saw we saw a couple games this weekend where, you know, the Baltimore Ravens were catching what, two and a half on a on a Tuesday. They were catching three on Thursday, and then by kickoff it's seven. Because both Lamar Jackson and Tyler Huntley were both unavailable. Um, and we see this just happening in waves. Here's the other one that happened earlier this morning. Uh, you know, Indianapolis was a seven point favorite when I woke up this morning. <laughs> Carson Wentz enters the protocol and the thing crashes down. Circa moved all the way down to Indianapolis minus one and a half, Westgate two, South Point two, offshore books, Colts minus two. And now I got people asking me, hey, are the Raiders plus two a great bet? No, they're nope. not. Nope. If you miss the COVID news, you miss the best number, and then you have to pay the premium on the overreaction. So, okay, plus seven would have been a great bet. Plus six would have been an awesome bet. Plus two is a terrible bet. Even if it wins, it's a terrible bet. Um, I, I don't. I don't. But, like but you, it, hey, Sam, I will.
1: I, I will break in. You do know people will fire back with results-based uh, analysis, like. Last night, we heard the same thing about the Dolphins that, you know, at this point, hey, if you're laying three, three and a half, that's a terrible bet. It turned out to be an easy bet. So you're, people are always going to have that in their back pocket.
5: Yes. I I think you're right about that. But I'll tell Often. you what, if if these things all happen where, uh, you know, like here's the other side of that equation. People are going to go, well, if Wentz has it, Jonathan Taylor must have it or might have it. And then the offensive line might have it. And we start doing, you know – covid piggy roundup and we're guessing who has covid and who doesn't that's all built into this number and and it's still like i'll ask you point blank would you bet the raiders plus two at
1: indy absolutely not i'm gonna look for the best value on the indy side now but again that's rolling the dice because Jonathan Taylor could go down at any moment and their O-line is beat to hell. So it's still but a risk. But anybody still could a go down. The whole Raiders right. team well, could the, the, That's the thing. is People need to track the Raiders. The Raiders defense has like seven guys on, some of their key players, not Max Crosby yet or Ngakwe, but other key guys are on it. So when you've got a mix on both sides, like last week, a, a great example. I, I mean, I'm still annoyed with Joey Bosa and his status because he, he may have to miss two games here. And the same thing with Wentz. Uh, by the rules of the NFL – um, but even last week, if you were all fired up because you saw the Texans had you know 15-plus guys on the list, well, the Chargers were beat the hell as well, and the Chargers wind up losing and losing badly.
5: With this Colts-Raiders game, it's even more fascinating because I think the general public would tell you that Carson Wentz is an average quarterback. I don't think anybody is dying on the Carson Wentz's great wall. <laughs> all that being said, though, Steve, this morning, if you wanted to bet the Colts money line in Las Vegas... You had to lay 340. It was minus 340. 340 wins 100. Right now, the Colts' money line is minus 125. So that's sort of where I'm being magnetically pulled towards. I have a team at home that is probably going to be in the postseason. There's really not that big of a drop-off between Wentz and his backup, Sam Ellinger. I don't think there is. I know Ellinger's young, and and it doesn't – really have the moxie or or the the reps that Wentz has. But if Indianapolis gets their linemen back, guys like Quentin Nelson, who didn't play this past weekend, I would argue they're better with their line healthy and Jonathan Taylor than they are with Wentz. So the overreaction is so real where a team down just a starting quarterback has gone from minus 340 to minus 125 to win the game. That, to me, is insanity.
1: Yep. And it's crazy, uh, these last couple weeks, like you mentioned, Quentin Nelson and another one of their linemen tested positive last Thursday, last Friday. They should be ready to go. Maybe they won't be. Uh, And then you had a case where Nick Sirianni last week tested positive on Wednesday. He was ready to go by Saturday. It's like, okay. I mean, it's obviously, you got a virus here that's unpredictable. Um, The other thing I love down the stretch is, well, they have to win. And it's baked into the line, or at least the books have to pad it because people are thinking they have to win some of the numbers out there are crazy and again it's early in the week i'm asking sam to do tuesday nfl handicapping um do you have interest in any of these dogs or any of these favorites where or, or where you look at the favorite and you're like this is too big buffalo feel- buffalo 14 against atlanta pats 15 and a half against jacks san fran 12 and a half against the texans probably trey lance at quarterback
5: Oof. Yeah, Jimmy G, we got some bad reports the other day about his thumb, that his thumb is much worse than they're letting on. And then I saw Uh-oh. Schefter say yesterday he's got a torn UCL. Yep, so, yep. I don't know that, uh, that I'm ready for the Trey Lance experience, and that's a pretty big number at 12. Um, But that thing opened, you know, look ahead was 15 and it's come crashing through the 14 down to 12, 12 and a half. Um, I feel like Matthew McConaughey and two for the money, by the way, I'm picking Sunday's games on Tuesday. Um, I think if there was anything I would think about, I love those big dogs with low totals. And I I, look, I in no way do I love Jacksonville by any means. But if you're going to give me 15 and a half points with a total of 41 and a half. That math is too good to me. I'm not playing, you know, handicapping. I'm not really, you know, looking at the X's and O's. We know that Jacksonville is sort of a mess, and they've been a mess for a while. But that team actually played with a little spunk with Urban Meyer out of the way. And now here's the other thing that, that most people don't talk about. Mac Jones is a rookie quarterback, man. Mm-hmm. And all of a sudden. Pressure starts to play in when you're a young quarterback and there's actually something on the line. It was awesome when they were playing bad teams and everybody was overlooking them. But now the New England Patriots at 9-6 and are the sixth seed in the AFC. If they lose this game, which they won't, they're a huge favorite, but if they were to lose this game, they're out of the playoffs, likely. At what point does pressure kick in? quarterback in Mac Jones and maybe he makes a throw he shouldn't make or takes a sack he shouldn't take doesn't throw it away gets stripped give me those points man with Jacksonville 15 and a half is a lot with a total of 41 and a half especially considering the Patriots have lost two in a row and I don't know that I trust Mac Jones to blow this team out
1: Have the books overcompensated? We're talking to Sam Paniotovic, our gambling insider, here on a Tuesday. Have the books overcompensated with KC out at five, five and a half at Cincy?
5: Absolutely. They certainly have. And it's a situation now where, you know, on a Tuesday, most books tell me that they're getting about 65% of the bets on the Chiefs. Um, But I look at where this opened, and I love the way that it moved early in the week. You know this, I know this. These moves on Monday and Tuesday, this is not the public. This is not, you know, your Aunt Betty betting 30 bucks at the the stations. This is big money. Um, To open KC4 is telling enough because Cincinnati just gashed their opponent. Burrow had 500 yards and 8,000 touchdowns. But it opened four, and it's already been bet up to five and five and a half. So I thought they over-adjusted, a little more than they should have, (laughs) but the sharp money is going to run this up to six, and I don't know that we get to six and a half, seven, because there will be that resistance on Kansas City the other way. I'm not going to bet the game, but, man, like, how do you bet against Kansas City at this point, man? How do you do that?
1: One more number. Your Bears. They're your (laughs) Bears. Six. The Bears are six against the Giants. The hapless Giants have any fight left at all?
5: Giants are so bad. I knew some guys too that were uh, really respected players that were just running to the window to bet 10, 10 and a half, 11 with the Giants and you know sometimes wise guys are stubborn. They bet good numbers but they bet awful teams. You know, getting a good number on an awful team is almost a wash, I would say, and they lose 34 to 10. That's like the unbettable football game. Um the talk about the total in this one, 37 and a half. Uh, Are you intrigued in the under? I'm looking at the forecast Sunday in Chicago. 25 degrees is the high. 10 degrees is the low. I always ask myself with totals like that, 37, like can anybody get to 20 in that game? I don't know. I I think that could be 17-10. That could be 13-6. That game's gonna suck, man. Like, if you if you had a ticket to that game for, imagine. How about this? What if Santa slid down your chimney and got you two tickets to Giants Bears? Equals Cole.
1: Like, what are you doing? That, I don't. I'm not making a. I'm not making a road trip to the game. Get the hell out of here.
5: Yeah, and I, you know, I was talking about that first half under which, unfortunately, didn't win uh, Seattle and Chicago. The game actually went over 21 in the first uh, in the first half, but it, it's almost 70 percent in the first half with Chicago under Matt Nagy, 42 and 21. That's the first half under since Matt Nagy took over as head coach of the bears, 42 and 21 to the under. It did go over last week, but man, more times than not, that team leaves points off the field and their defense Still good enough to hold on a very bad Giants team.
1: Yeah, if I bet the over on a low number, I'll tell you late in the week and go against me because uh, last night I had the brilliant idea on Monday Night Football of teasing the total down to 31.5. Still didn't sniff it. Still did not sniff it in the, uh, the Saints and Dolphins game. Wasn't even close.
5: Well, it's going to happen, buddy. You know it's hard to bet these games, uh, these NFL games in general on Saturday, Sunday. It's hard enough to win because the NFL is such a very, such a volatile league, and things are up, then things are down. But with this COVID stuff, you almost have to wait until the last minute until you get information ahead of the curve, which I was happy to get yesterday. I know I texted you this too. Uh, We bombed Utah in college football. Uh, That's the Rose Bowl, Utah against Ohio State. Expect to be. Expect to see, rather, a mac a mass exodus at Ohio State. Anybody with an NFL pulse is probably going to pull out of that game. I know some books in Vegas, I was talking to their guys behind the counter, they moved to Ohio State minus four. We took Utah five and a half and five. And I don't hate a little poke on some Utah money line either, plus 160, plus 165. The Utes want to be here. They're probably here. Never been to the Rose Bowl, and Ohio State's best players are dropping like flies. I imagine there could be by the time we get to kickoff on January first, you could have eight or nine starters that just say, "Yeah, see you later." We're going to the NFL.
1: I've also thrown it out there multiple times. You know, being out here uh, Mountain West Conference uh, territory in Pac-12, that basically since about week three or four, there's been rumors swirling around uh, Utah's coach that uh, Winningham that he could be moving on. That if he wins the Rose Bowl. That'll be enough for him, and he may move on. So uh, that could be Max Motivation game if he tells the team before the game, hey, this is my last game. Um, I have not bet the Cincy-Alabama matchup in the Final Four for Friday. 13.5 is the number. Now I just mentioned Max Motivation. I kind of feel like Alabama is the play now that Will Anderson said they're the underdog in this game. The Crimson Tide are the underdog.
5: Yeah, except they're not. They're almost a (laughs) two-touchdown favorite in a national semifinal. Um, But that's what Saban does, man. Saban is such a sicko. This is one of the better teams he's had. I know they're not as great as they were last year, but if you go back and take the last 10 Alabama teams – this is in the top 3 or 4. They're still very good and they just pounded the best defense we've ever seen, Georgia. Right, Bryce Young throws for 400 yards. This team is still very very good. But Saban is so sick and warped. He has them all thinking that they suck. And that's not a team you want to face, you know, with a with an extra time to prepare. Alabama, man, when you get them in a national semifinal, not only do they cover big, but they win like 38 to nothing, 31 to 7, 28 to 3. Go back and look at Alabama's semifinal games. Aside from the game they lost to Ohio State in, I think, 2014 or 2015, they have clobbered teams. Michigan State, Washington, Clemson. They beat the snot out of teams in this semifinal game. And I I want no part of Cincinnati here. I know that it's a lot of points. But is it really a lot of points when you're down 21 to nothing? Not really.
1: Uh, one heads up to give our listeners here in Vegas. Sam is with us. That's not the heads up. But um, as you're betting futures, right? It's cold right now, but we're all thinking about golf and majors. Uh, the Tiger comeback could be on this year. If you're going to bet him to win a major, please shop the number. I saw that you noticed a number the other day. To win a major this year, Tiger Woods is 9 to 1. That seems a little bit off.
5: Would you want it to be higher? Yes. Well, you're paying the tiger tax. Yes. You know that, but yes. some books will deal you five to one on that prop. Oh my I, God! I wouldn't be surprised if, if you saw like a five to one. And his mastered number has already been whacked. I, I don't have it in front of me. I'll pull it up uh, as we go here. But uh, remember-
1: please, please offer us a yes/no on Tiger winning a major.
5: Oh well, circa would probably offer you a yes/no. I mean, they love doing stuff like that, um, and that's something that even if they don't have it, you might think about getting in somebody's ear over there, like Metcalf or Benson or somebody. But I'm looking right now. Masters outrights. The Superbook has Tiger Woods at sixty to one.
1: Right. So that's actually not a bad number. That's not. Um, it's not. But 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 the. I mean, I understand it's four tournaments, but yeah, come on. To win a major at five or six to one, come on.
5: Yeah, to win a major, all right, this is alphabetical order. Westgate has Tiger Woods. Oh, they have it off the board. So they aren't taking it yet. Here's the last thing I'll say, though, on the Masters. If you're even thinking about betting Tiger and you know on December 28th that you're going to fire a $100 bet on Tiger, please just do it now. Because if you do it now, you get 60 to 1. If you wait until April 1st, it's going to be 20 to 1. Yep. Because you're going to see footage of Tiger burying a birdie or hitting a long drive or eagling some hole in some God-forbidden tournament in the middle of nowhere, if you bet it now at 60-1, to you know that that price is going to be nowhere near available in the first week of April.
1: I want to point out before we get out of here, Sam, you need to keep fighting the fight. And gloat, and gloat when you win, right? When people come at you months ago and you keep the receipts and go, hey, you know what? I told you Chiefs to win the AFC at a good number. They haven't done it yet. But, you know, Mac Jones, Rookie of the Year, Patriots over nine wins, Patriots to make the playoff, all that. Because the flip side of it is, unlike a lot of people out there who only gloat about their wins, your stuff is up. So if you bomb out or you lose, they see that too.
5: Yeah, there's records on everything I post on Chicken Dinner, on Nesson, on Fox. We're very transparent. I lose a lot. I tell people I lose a lot. If I lose 40 bets out of 100, that's an incredible, incredible mark. To win 60% in this racket, betting all these sports year round, you know, I'm not just betting college basketball or MLB, it's literally year round. Now I'm into hockey yep. and college basketball. I just, you know, it's just the guys that come into your mentions in early July and tell you that your column on the Dallas Cowboys to win the NFC East is an (laughs) (laughs) F-minus. And they glitched the division with two weeks to go by scoring 50-plus on the football team. That's when you got to go into the drawer and pull the receipts on. You know. It's just the way it
1: is. I was gonna say, and same thing on this side. Like I have, you know, hey, if I bomb out on an NFL weekend and I, you know, use a stupid theory and I play all dogs and they all lose, then you're gonna hear about it. So, but you're gonna hear about it all. You'll hear about it all exactly, and that's super important. If you if you see someone out there going kind of Floyd Mayweather esque and they only post their winners, you know that they're probably below fifty percent and they're freaking struggling. All right, Sam, have a good New Year's. We appreciate it. Talk to you, buddy. You got it. See you. There he is, Sam at SP at Shoot up on Twitter, at Chicken X Dinner. That's his betting podcast. Give that a listen when you get a chance. That'll wrap it here on a Tuesday. Thanks to Ari for booking all the great guests today. Good job by Willie Ramirez. Coming up next, the Kevin Kruger Radio Show, right here on ESPN 1100, 100.9 FM. If you're near the Orleans, zip on over. You can ask the coach a question in person. Enjoy Bailiwick. It's the Kevin Kruger Radio Show up here in just a couple of minutes on ESPN Las Vegas.